You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast. And today we're going to be joined by John Hudspeth. He is the host of the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast. And he hunts in a state, multiple states, Texas and Oklahoma, where baiting is legal. And I know there's other states out there where baiting is legal, like Ohio and Kentucky, I believe. Um, and there's a variety of other states out there where you can you can bait. And there's a whole kind of different strategy that um, is applied to hunting over bait. And uh, some in some states, and depending on how you hunt, there's gear that is different too. And that's why on this episode of the Hunting Gear Podcast, we're going to be focusing on deer feeders and hunting blinds, right? We're going to be talking about tower blinds, box blinds, um, pop-up blinds, uh, and, and a variety of deer feeders that kind of, um, I don't know, uh, just they kind of work in conjunction with each other. And so that's what today's, today's episode is about. Uh, we also cover some uh, very quick and high-level tips to hog-proofing. You know, like down in the south, if you can bait, uh, you're going to probably run into hogs. And so different ways to hog-proof your your uh, your feeders. And, you know, some of those properties like Oklahoma or those states like Oklahoma and Texas have high wind. And so, you know, tips to stake them in the ground and things like that. So it's a, it's a really good conversation about something that I'm not uh, familiar with just because I don't, I can't bait and I don't hunt that kind of style. So uh, it's a really good conversation that I think uh, you guys are going to enjoy. Uh, before we get into today's episode, though, got to knock out some commercials. If you're looking for a saddle, you definitely need to check out the tethered saddle and not tethered because, uh, I mean, on top of the fact that they are, uh, they have very high quality products right very well made they have sticks they have platform or climbing sticks they have platforms they have the saddle itself all the accessories you need on top of that on their website their youtube channel they have videos and educational content meant to 
really educate you on how to properly hunt out of a saddle. So uh, if you're looking for a saddle, check out Tethered and then Hunt Stand. If you're looking for a mobile app, maybe you've put it down for a couple years and uh, you don't use it, you don't use uh, a mobile app anymore, a hunting app, you definitely have to check out Hunt Stand, huntstand.com. Uh, it's a very affordable, uh, it's one of the most affordable um, uh, hunting apps on the market. But it has the most functionality compared to any other uh, hunting app on the market. And, and that is why it is the most popular. It's the most popular for a reason. Go to huntstand.com, check out all the functionality uh, that you have available. You can download it for free, play around with it, and whenever you're ready to upgrade to the next level, like I said, very affordable, huntstand.com. And then lastly, we have the Tacticam 6.0 um, camera right you can mount it on your gun or on your bow there's a different varieties but what makes the 6.0 version this new version so special is that there's quite a few upgrades that that um, they've done from the previous version and that's image stabilization there is actually a screen on the camera uh, it works better in low light than previous models and it has a variety of upgraded mounting options so uh, be sure to go check out if you're the kind of guy who likes to film their hunts and uh, you know maybe your buddies don't believe you that you saw a, a big deer this might be the option for you so tacticam go check out tacticam.com all right, we are done with the commercials. Let's get into today's hunting gear podcast about deer feeders and hunting blinds. All right, everybody, welcome back to the hunting gear podcast. Uh, today we have John Hudspeth on, and he is the host of the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. And I'm bringing him on today because he hunts in a state where baiting is illegal he hunts in uh, oklahoma he hunts in texas those are both baiting states and uh, from what i have gathered over the years oklahoma and texas are one of those states where if you're not baiting on the property that you have access to hunt you might not be seeing the the deer uh, they they're going to be somewhere where the food is red, readily available and those are that's usually at baiting stations and we're going to get into all that today but First off, John, how are you today? Man, I'm doing good. Uh, just living that new baby life. Um, right. Got a got a two month old here at home, and so uh, you know, everybody always says like you know all babies do is eat, poop, and sleep. And I've come to find out that is very true. Mm -hmm. um, and then I've definitely I underestimated the whole you will never sleep thing. <laughs> everybody says like ah, oh, yeah. Everybody's like, oh, you know, you'll never sleep. And I'm like, ah, okay, okay. And then, nope, yeah, you're always tired. Yes, so, so that's, yes. So that's, that's the life I'm living right now. Right, right. <laughs> so before we started recording, you came on, and I could see the video of you. And <laughs> I, I tell you what, yeah. if I had to pick somebody out of a crowd that looked like they were getting no sleep mm -hmm. because they had a brand new baby at home, I would have pegged you mm -hmm. in a heartbeat. Yes, it's a it's a combination of that and uh, my boss is also on vacation this week and so I'm having to basically run his entire company on top of having this new baby. Yeah. Uh, so yes, yeah, I'm yeah. I tell you, <laughs> you what, you got me. Yeah, and I, and I tell you what, so every once in a while, me we I have three kids and so every once in a while we have this conversation. My wife is 43. I'm 40. I'll be 42 in November, and. Uh, so me and my wife, we have this conversation like, 
do you think we have time for one more? Or really, that's what she <laughs> says. And and then I, I, I have these conversations with guys like you and just like, I'm so tired. And then I, I say to yeah. myself, you know what? I, I'm not going to do that again. So I, I went ahead and I, I went through with the vasectomy. And so mm-hmm. now I made my decision for both of us. And so, yeah. uh, uh, I, I, babies are so awesome. Like she's the mm-hmm. cutest little thing, you know, when she does all that, but all night long when they're up, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Is she yep. a good sleeper? She is, and that's that's another quick funny thing. Uh, I mean, she sleeps fantastic. She eats fantastic. Like she's been a super easy baby. Yeah. Uh, but it actually kind of scares my wife and I because we were like, if this is how tired we are with an easy baby, yeah. Imagine if the next one's like a hard baby, right? And so, right. Yeah, we we know we're lucky. Right. My brother, uh, my brother had a really tough first child, and I mean, I'm talking like cried there was one time where that baby cried for 24 to 48 hours like it was two days straight Mm. and Mm. they literally had to step outside and just be like Mm -hmm. you know like that's almost almost torture yeah you know what i mean so Uh but then their second kid came and it's just the perfect easy baby and they're just like oh my god this is so easy like this baby's so easy Mm -hmm. compared to the other one so well, I'm glad I'm glad everything's going well uh, for you there. Yeah, thank you. Thank yeah. You. All right, so Oklahoma baiting, and that's what today's podcast is going to be about. We're going to talk about hunting gear and equipment for those who live in baiting states. We're going to talk about feeders, box blinds, tower blinds, tripods, the tripod blinds or uh, uh, stands, those kind of things that you you would t- traditionally see in maybe Texas, Oklahoma. Um, a little more wide open in certain areas there. Uh, and then I also know that there's states like, I believe Ohio is a baiting state. I think Kentucky is a baiting state. So those two states as well. So um, just kind of right off the bat with a very high level question, um, what what is a typical setup like? Um, and I don't really want to take money into this right right quite yet um but okay. maybe when you were growing up or guy other properties you know or guys down in oklahoma you hunt in texas as well what's the what's the setup like yeah so growing in this like a whole nother how to hunt bait is mm-hmm. almost a whole nother podcast um, right uh it it really kind of hindered me actually when i was younger because i didn't really grow up in a hunting family um, I had friends that hunted. I saw, you know, people hunting in like South Texas on TV, which is not the part of Texas I was from. I was I'm originally from North Texas and then moved to Oklahoma. Um, and so growing up, I actually had access to a huge place. My grandpa had a huge farm uh, on the Oklahoma side of the Red River. Um, but because I saw all these people and heard all these people hunting feeders, I basically thought you had to hunt a feeder. And so, you know, I'm like a high school kid. I can't afford anything. I bought like a super, actually my first feeder, I, I, a buddy of uh, mine's dad helped me home make it. Uh, so I had this crappy little feeder that the battery would die all the time. And I had access to thousands and thousands of acres. And I would hunt this one spot over and over and over again, because that's where my feeder was, because that's what I thought you had to do. Yeah. So since then, I've kind of branched away from that. Um, but your your typical setup um is uh the most common feeder people probably see is a tripod feeder three legs with like a 55 gallon drum on top of it um it's 
it's kind of moving away from that. Uh, there's there's so many more options. There's very nice feeders now. A uh, big thing now, they're called stand and fill. So they're shorter. They're on little legs. Um, and you, it's basically made to where you can pour a bag into them from the ground. Gotcha. Um, but typically, you're, you're going to have your feeder. Most people set it, um, you know, like on the edge of the timber or whatever cover you're hunting, whether it be a ravine, a draw, whatever. You know, you put that feeder 20 yards outside of that cover. And then you go back 100 yards if you're a rifle hunter and put your box blind there. If you're a bow hunter, you try to find like a, a you know a lone tree or something like that. You can put a stand in and you put your feeder basically between that tree and the cover. So nine times out of ten, that's usually what you're going to see. That's And that, um, that would be a standard setup across, for example, yep. Oklahoma, Texas. Yes. Gotcha. Um, if you're if you're kind of like in the South Texas brush country, you know a lot of times what's going to happen. Uh, I a place I hunt, it's my buddy's lease. He has it as kind of like a corporate lease, like he takes clients and stuff out there. And the way his setup is is, you know, you you can only drive so many places because there's cactus and mesquite and everything. Yep. And so basically, he has one single road. His place is a a little over a thousand acres. He has one single road that kind of meanders through the whole place. And every, you know, quarter mile or so, there's a box blind. I mean, right on the road. Like, you get out of the vehicle and you climb up the ladder. And then one direction or the other, they've dozed a little clearing. And then there's a feeder down there 100 yards. Yeah. So, basically, we all load up in the pickup. We drive down the road. Every time we come to a blind, somebody hops out. And then just whoever's driving is the last one there. They hunt the last spot. When everybody's done, they just drive back down the road and pick everybody up. Gotcha. And that's, the, that's what I've seen. That was my... I guess growing up watching, you know, buck masters or, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, monster bucks or whatever. And they, they are hunting that, that South Texas, all the, everything was just on a road, right? So a guy would get in a box blind and as the, the, the outfitter or the property owner manager was driving away, he's hitting a button on the back of his, Mm -hmm. uh, his truck. And it's just kicking food out the back of it on this road. And so, so, okay. So let's, let's start with feeders uh, first. Um, and now, you know, after going to some of these trade shows and, and seeing what is available, I mean, there are feeders about the size of baseball bats all the way <laughs> mm-hmm. to hundreds of bushels of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like feeders that are huge. Almost, they, they almost look yeah. like silos. So um, why don't you kind of talk to us a little bit about the different varieties that they're that they are uh, use your experience uh, of what maybe a small feeder is trying to accomplish versus a, a big giant feeder is trying to accomplish gotcha yeah so um they make real small ones that you basically can strap to a t uh, sorry a tree or a t post or you know maybe put a little wooden post in the ground and essentially those are for your like harder to reach areas or maybe like a deep in the timber type spot. You know, you can carry that feeder in there by your hand. You can, you know, carry in one bag of corn on your back or in a backpack or something. And it's really made for those more like hard to reach places. Um, if you step up from that, uh, that probably be, next would probably be like a 55 gallon drum. Uh, that's going to hold roughly 300 pounds of corn. And that's kind of the standard. Most people are wanting at least 300 pounds. Um, most people, if you're running a time feeder, they're going to go off twice a day, once in the morning, once in the evening. And, you know, depending on how much it's spitting out at a time, uh, usually that th- that 55-gallon drum is going to last you almost a month. Um, you know, if, unless you're just really going crazy, if you're in a real high deer population type setup, 
Um, and so that's kind of the goal because the whole point of the feeder is to have that bait site that you don't have to go into. You know, if if yeah. if you were if you were living on the property, uh, I can tell you from experience, going in there and pouring corn on the ground out of a bag works way better than a feeder. I don't know why. Um, I don't know why the deer say, "Hey, that magical tree that throws corn out is scary." But uh, if yeah, for some even though it leaves more scent, I've had better success pouring corn on the ground than I have with a feeder. But yeah. if you don't live on the property, that's not an option. And so a feeder is a much better option in that uh, yeah. in that regard. So um, and then next step up from that, uh, most of the feeders I have now are 500 pound feeders. They're the the square stand and fill. Um, all season feeders is the company that makes them highly recommend them. They're raccoon proof. They're hog proof. Um, you know, anytime you're talking about feeders, especially in the South, hogs are a huge concern. Um, most people are fencing off their feeders and we can talk about that more later, but, uh, um, but yeah, so big fan of the, the stand and fill. They're just easy. They're very durable. I've had them for years and years with no problems. Um, and then after that, yes, usually once you get bigger than that, uh, you know, they make some like thousand pound, uh, automatic feeders. Usually once you go over that, you're talking more of a protein feeder. Um, you like the tube, uh, free choice type thing. Um, and, but that's kind of, most people are doing that because they're trying to, to grow big antlers, not because they're trying to hunt over a feeder. Gotcha. So that's something that, that where there, there, there's a potential there for more of a, I don't know, a, a high fence type situation? Um, not necessarily. There's there's plenty of low fence people that are feeding protein like that, you know, just trying to just trying to grow bigger deer. You know, gotcha. there's really there there's two reasons people feed deer down here. One is attraction, and that's, you know, ninety nine percent of people. And then two is because they're trying to impact antlers. You know, they're yeah. feeding high quality protein feed, free choice. Um and most people, and I'm, I'm quoting uh, the MSU Deer Lab and Texas A&M and stuff when I talk about this, most people cannot afford uh, to feed deer enough to make a change in antlers. Yeah. Um, there was a study done by Texas A&M in South Texas, and they, they had you know a, a spot where they fed, and they had a control spot. And after feeding, I think they had a feeder every 150 acres on this like 5,000-acre place and that they kept, you know, full year round as much as the deer could possibly eat. And after five years, I think the deer on that side had only grown about eight inches. And so eight inches um, larger than than the free range than the free non fed deer. deer. Okay. Yep. All right. The 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 quote at the end of that that I loved was if you're feeding deer out of a bag, you're not making a difference. Yeah. <laughs> you know, unless you have an overhead bin and you're literally giving them all they can eat you're probably just wasting your money almost. Yeah. And then, then it really does become more of a, a, a short, shorter time frame, right? Like the only reason I'm yes. doing this is to get deer in front of me to hunt them versus m- manage their, their well being and their body type and, and things like Correct. that. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and I'm not going to say, you know, feeding protein doesn't help. I'm sure it does. But if your goal is to, you know, grow giant antlers, it's very hard to do, right? You know, you you you'll probably help them get through winter a little better, and you know, help their body out a little bit. But as far as really growing monster bucks, it's it's very expensive, right? And so so volume comes into play there, right? Mm-hmm. The the volume of feed that you need to feed the herd 
in order to make a difference, you know, will depend on the uh, the feeder that you decide. And more than likely, that feeder, you know, if you want big antler results, is going to be very expensive. That plus yep. the the one time purchase of that, but then the continued purchase of the feed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The feed. The feed is the real expensive part yeah. for sure. So I have a question about what you're feeding them, and the reason I'm asking this is: Are there different? F- style feeders for different style food like if you're just feeding them corn versus if you're feeding them uh, a feed or some kind of hybrid hybrid mix absolutely so the the two big you know feeder types there's spin cast which is our you know have a battery in it electronic throws corn out on the ground and then there's your your protein feeders which is you know the tube the deer go up and actually eat it out of the tube um Corn, it, 99% of the time, if somebody's throwing something on the ground, some kind of bait for attracting, it's probably going to be corn. Um, gotcha. And in the in the fall, you know, deer getting ready for winter time, they're wanting to put on weight. Um, they're wanting to have energy to stay warm. And that's that's what corn does. Same as humans. You know, corn is energy. Yeah. Um, so corn is very attractive. And and I wouldn't say the deer, you know, it's it's not like a protein type thing, but it does help the deer a little bit to get through winter uh, because yeah. it is an energy source gotcha. and very very attractive. Um, and the other nice thing about corn is it kind of it you know nature gave it a nice little hard shell. So if it's thrown on the ground and rain comes, it it's really not that big of a deal. You know, eventually it'll soak up the rain and spoil and stuff. But uh, you know, if you have an active bait site where deer are coming in, even if you get a hard rain, more than likely those deer are going to eat that corn before it has time to go bad. Right. So, right. Um, and then with your more expensive, you know, protein feed, uh, stuff you're getting from a, a feed store or, or wherever, um, nine times out of 10, you're going to find that in a protein feeder because it never has a chance to get on the ground. You know, if it falls on the ground, it's just because the deer was eating it and, and dropped a little bit. Uh, but it's always protected in that feeder until the deer actually eats it. Right. Um, and there's tons of other, they, they have cottonseed feeders that look like a, almost a, a shopping cart. So you fill, you pour, fill it with cottonseed and then they can kind of pull it through these big holes. Um, they make block feeders, you know, like the blocks you see that uh, some or like a mineral block or a bait block, whatever. They make little metal ones that you can put on a T-post to hold that up off the ground. Um, yeah, if you, if you can think of a way to feed it to a deer, there's probably a feeder for it. Gotcha. Okay. So when it comes to, you know, we've talked about the, the variation and a lot of it sounds like it depends on the volume of feed that you want to go through the feeder or the style Mm -hmm. of hunting that you want to do. Um, you know, obviously some of these bigger feeders, they're, they're not mobile. They stay in place. Are there any type of feeders out there where a guy can maybe load it up at his truck, take it into the woods, let it set, you know, he goes in, maybe a feeder, a feeder for a mobile style hunter? Mm-hmm. You're probably be lo- going to be looking at one of those, uh, like smaller plastic one, like I talked about earlier. Right. Um, and they do, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on who makes it. There is one. It's basically like a four-inch PVC pipe yeah. um, with a ti- tiny little motor on the bottom. I want to say it only holds like 20 pounds of corn or something like that. Um, I mean, that thing, you could fill it with corn and still be able to carry it. And uh, I, I think you just hang it from like a rope over a tree branch. Um, so, you know, that's something you could go out and put, you know, a day or two before and uh, let it run a little bit and then go over and hunt it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and... You know, you mentioned the PVC pipe. My stepdad made a gravity feeder 
out of uh-huh. a, a big PVC tube. Um, have you ever done any of the the homemade feeder type situations where you've you've tried to build your own, or have you always just purchased them? So I have made a homemade protein feeder back in the day, um, fifty five gallon drum, uh, four inch PVC coming out of the bottom. I used a toilet flange actually in the bottom of the barrel, <laughs> okay. to to where I could hook a PVC pipe to it and made my own protein feeder. And, uh, about four days after I put it out, a giant hog came by and broke it and poured all the protein on the ground. And so, uh, I don't do many. And, and again, like I, I mentioned it earlier down here, hogs are such a problem, um, that you have to do something to combat it. Like uh, nowadays, pretty much all my feeders are, are fenced off from the hogs. I'm actually trying a new thing this year. I I'm calling it my sacrificial feeder. I left one feeder unfenced on purpose to hopefully try to like draw all the hogs to that area and away from my other spots. Yeah. Um, but I, I have seen people do like, you're talking about the big pipe feeder. Um, I've seen several of those on public land where it's illegal to bait. Um, I guess because they don't make a noise, people think they can get away with them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, uh, you've got a big pipe that you can just strap to a tree or a post or whatever. And then down towards the bottom, a lot of people will put like a, a 90 or a verse 45. So where it's kind of poking up and then as the deer or whatever, eat it, basically just, you know, the, the feed that's in the pipe moves down and you got a nice little homemade feeder. And I mean, you could probably make one of those for like 50 bucks. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So, um, but it sounds to me like, you now kind of have stayed away from that that homemade type scenario mm-hmm. and gone with just just purchased the 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 feeder itself because mm-hmm. that way it's designed to do one thing you don't like you don't have to worry if you forgot something a hog's not typically going to come through knock it over destroy it and uh, or coons get in it or whatever and and so it sounds to me like you kind of just stick with uh, purchasing the the built for deer hunting feeders. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, for me trying to kill a big mature buck over bait is really difficult. And, uh, and so I don't, I don't want any reason for that deer to not come in there, whether it be a hog knocked the feeder over or broke it or coons or the battery went dead. All my feeders have solar panels. So the battery's not going to go dead. Um, you know, they'll last at least a month between fills um, I know they're going to go off when they're supposed to go off. And if that deer that I'm after is not showing up, I can just stay out and I don't have to worry about it. All right. All right. Now let's talk, um, two, two more things on feeders before we get to blinds feeders, um, hog proofing them, right? Mm-hmm. You, you've mentioned it twice now. Uh, how do you hog proof uh, a feeder? Because it, it sounds to me like if in certain scenarios, you let me ask you let me back up mm-hmm. are hogs aggressive enough where they'll push deer out of the way to go to get to the food absolutely it, it's kind of a twofold thing hogs are aggressive enough to do it and deer are so non-confrontational that they will just give the feeder up okay all right so they'll say i'm, I'm not gonna mess with this i'm going somewhere <laughs> else and that's probably on somebody else's property yes okay yeah. all right so hog proofing what like do they make specific products for this or are you on your own by putting fence up around these feeders um there are some people that make like some heavy duty panels to keep hogs out um but 
I mean, almost everybody, they just, they use, it's called a hog panel. It's basically like they make cattle panels for cattle to, yep. you know, put people's lots. They make shorter versions that have, uh, you know, bars closer together to keep pigs out. And so a lot of feeders and like the feeders I was talking about, they have big metal bases um, because I, I mean, I've, I've watched with my own eyes, like those old tripod feeders, hogs will go up, they'll eat all the corn and then they'll start rubbing on the legs and shaking corn out. So the, I mean, they'll empty your feeder real quick. Um, I've watched, I've been in my bow stand, watched a big hog come up to a protein feeder of mine and hit it with his nose, you know, vibrating feet out. And, uh, I shot him in the face cause I was real mad at it, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, but so, yeah, so, I mean, like, the, on the feeder itself, there's not a whole lot you can do if that, you know, hog can get up there and rub on it. So typically what people are doing is using those hog panels, and most of them come 16 feet long. You put a T-post at each joint, and then you actually have to put a T-post in between each one because they'll push under them. And uh, quick story from, I guess, two years ago, um, I had uh, made a, a, a hog pin around this feeder, but at two spots, I had not put a T-post in the middle because that was, that was my gate to go in there and fill the feeder so I could open it up real easy and uh, pull the tractor in there and fill it. And uh, these hogs figured that out. Like, they found the weak spot in that pin. And I watched them do this because I was getting pictures of them on my camera. So I was sitting in my bow stand. And a couple hogs come up to the pin. They go right to that spot. And I'm, I'm like, how on earth are they getting in there? And one or two pigs start pushing on the fence. Nothing happening i'm like man what's going on and i kid you not it was like a movie six or seven hogs got together in a little bundle and all pushed together and pushed under that panel and got in there to the feeder so like they figured out that if enough of them pushed in this one spot they could get in and uh i had four arrows with me and uh, i started shooting hogs <laughs> and they sc they scattered and a, a bunch of them ran to that spot and got under but there was a couple of them that had ran to different spots just in panic and, uh, and then uh, basically I had them in a trap and I just started, I, I ended up killing five hogs with four arrows that evening because nice. I, I had time to, I had time to climb down and get an extra arrow that I'd already shot and shoot another one. Um, so yeah, I, I hate those suckers. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no quarter for hogs. If yeah. you can kill them, you kill them. So. Uh, right. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so basically it's on you to come up with an idea to, mm -hmm. to keep them out on yourself. Right. Um, Pretty much. and then you got to keep that panel low enough or that fence low enough for the deer to jump over it. Right. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, so most of these panels are, I want to say 30 inches tall. So, uh, deer can have no problem getting over them. Um, the downs, sometimes if you have a lot of cows, sometimes that's short enough that a cow will try to step over and bend it. But usually, um, unless the cows are you know really hungry the cow it'll keep cows out also sounds good sounds good all right now let's go to blinds right again when it comes to just like tree stands right um when i think of hunting oklahoma and i think of obviously there's archer archery hunters but you know when i think of texas i think of the box blinds I think of the tower blinds. I think of all the all the the big type of blinds that um, a guy will use in that type of scenario. Um, walk us through maybe your progression. Um, I don't know if you're a tree stand guy or currently over a feeder. I mean, box blind guy over a feeder. Like, walk us through what your style is right now. Yeah. Um, so this year, actually, we just purchased a couple box blinds for the first time that I could act, that I can bow hunt out of, or yeah. they're, they're a combination. So I can bow or rifle out of them. 
Um, my brother has young kids. They're kind of getting old enough. Um, and honestly, like I've, it's been like a dream. Like again, going back to watching those, you know, those shows on TV, I thought the way that you killed giant deer down here was a feeder and a box blind. And so when I, when I was in high school, I tried to make my own out of plywood. Um, I made one that I could actually put a couch in. It was like 16 (laughs) feet wide or something. Uh, but they were all super crappy and, you know, they would all last like one year and then the rain would get to them. They'd rot. Um, so that, yeah, it's been like a dream of mine, but I, I could never afford them. Uh, so I, I mostly used a lot of, uh, like ladder stands and stuff like that for rifle hunting, um, tree stand. I was always, uh, using like a lock on a normal tree stand, but, uh, um, and then kind of going up, I mean, there's lots of people that make their own, um, out of plywood and they'll just put tin on the roof. And those can last quite a while. Uh, but nowadays, I mean, there are so many blind manufacturers out there, especially down here. You know, Texas is, like we've been talking about, kind of the home, the the king of blinds. And Oklahoma is close enough that a lot of them, you know, have dealers in Oklahoma. Um, so there are a lot of blind companies down here. And it's it's kind of just whatever you want to spend, honestly. Um, you know, you're... Kind of the where they start is usually like a four by four, which is pretty small. You know, you're only going to get one person in there. Um, and then after that, a lot of blinds are kind of your standard size, I would say, is five by six. Um, so it's basically wide enough to have two two shooters. They'll have two windows, you know, side by side that two people can shoot out of at the same time. And then, I mean, they you can buy ten by tens, and people put poker tables in them. And I don't know if you're hunting at that point or just hanging out, but. Um, but uh, the big thing is just you want a waterproof, you want a good, solid door that closes, and you want good windows. Um, uh, some buddies of mine made their own, and they just used plexiglass windows that you kind of slide to the side. And uh, they actually had a group of owls figured out that they could <laughs> go up there and flap their wings and move those windows to the side. And every time they opened their blind, they would find like dead mice and dead rodents and an owl would fly out at their face. And so oh, man. Uh, good. Yeah. Good windows that latch are, are very key and a good door that, uh, you know, closes smooth so that water can't get in is also key. Yeah. Um, so comfort's a big part of it. Size is a big part of it. And then height, you know, that's what that's why a lot of people like it. Obviously, staying warm and drying out of the wind is a big part of it. But getting off the ground um, is a very big part of it. So most of them, you're going to be at least five foot off the ground. And then more common than that is eight to ten feet. Um, you know, you're getting up over the brush. You're getting Even if there's no brush, even if you're just like in a field, you know, getting above, whether it be a crop or native grass, whatever it is, just getting up to where you can see more. Um, you know, that's really the big, the main purpose of having a blind. Right. And so when you're getting up off or you're building one of these, these tower blinds or box blinds or whatever you've decided to purchase. And I know, I know like, uh, for example, um, what's the, one of the real popular brands, Redneck, right? Redneck. Redneck. So Red, Redneck makes a variety of different blinds. Um, do, do these blinds come in kits like you have to go assemble them or do they get delivered to you or do you go pick them up with a trailer already built are there kits that come as far as elevation is concerned like i want a five foot kit versus a 10 foot kit or or Mm -hmm. is that something that you build on your own all of the above um most of your big blind manufacturers they're going to come the blind itself will come fully ready to go redneck comes fully ready to go um, I ended up buying Banks blinds. They came ready to go. 
um, and uh, they delivered them on a on a semi. And uh, luckily, we have a, a tractor, so we could unload them with our tractor and hay forks and stuff. Um, if you you know if you didn't have equipment, I will say it'd be really hard. I'm not sure how. Uh, I've seen a lot of people putting them on trailers and like pulling them out there with their ATV and then setting them up. Um, we're fortunate enough. We have a working cattle ranch. We have tractors, so it's no problem. Uh, there are also like, uh, off the top of my head, I'm thinking of a company called 360 blinds and they basically ship out a bunch of panels. Um, and I want to say there's like eight panels or something like that. And they have a base and a roof. And so they just ship you that stuff. You open it up and you put all the panels in place, screw them together. And then you got a, a nice big box blind. Um, and then towers, I don't, I, there are, you know, some blinds come with a built-in tower down, especially down here. You have a lot of like machine shops and metal shops that'll make the whole thing from scratch. Um, Redneck and a lot of those popular blinds, usually the tower comes in a kit that you assemble on site and then set up. And so um, you basically build it laying down on the ground. And then when you're done assembling it, you, uh, you know, tie a ratchet strap or something to your pickup, back up and basically pull it up upright. Gotcha. All right. Is there a style that you prefer in the environment that you hunt? So it, it's all about what you're going to use it for. So um, I mentioned I bought Banks Stump 4. And uh, so it has a rifle window on the on the walls. And then in the corners, it has bow blinds. And I bought that because I do a ton of bow hunting, a little bit of gun hunting. But I have siblings and I have nieces and nephews. I, I have my daughter that just got born. And so I know there's going to be a bunch of gun hunting on our property. So I yeah. bought one that was for both. Um, you can absolutely save money if you are just a gun hunter and you don't need the bow windows. They're always going to be cheaper without the bow windows. Um, you know, if you're really on a budget, it's just you and you, you know, you have a small property. One of those little four by four blinds are not that expensive. You know, you can buy a pretty nice four by four blind for less than $2,000 with a tower and everything. Um, the bigger you go, the more expensive you get. And with COVID and everything else that's going on in the world, blinds are getting extremely expensive right now. Right. Um, a, a buddy of mine for, he just got a new corporate lease and, uh, you know, he bought some nice blinds again. He's bringing clients out there and stuff. It's kind of a show off type place. And, uh, but he, he bought some fairly normal, uh, I want to say they're, five by six blinds and i think he was paying like six thousand a piece uh for the blind and like an eight foot tower jesus that makes um, me sweat hearing that number yes <laughs> yes i mean absolutely Dang. absolutely and you know it wasn't that many years ago that you could buy that same blind for three thousand yeah um but that's just that's just kind of it makes the are going. you know when when you say that when you say that six thousand dollar number for a blind and i know it's a completely different product Mm -hmm. but it makes those $500 tree stands not sound so bad. You know what I mean? Yep. That is, that is very true. And you can use that tree stand in way more than one spot pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, those are hard sided, right? And those are pretty yes. durable. I mean, those are anchored into the yes. ground. Those weigh thousands mm -hmm. of pounds, right? I mean, mm -hmm. the wind's not going to take like, I mean, do you like, on a, a tower blind or, or uh, uh, some of these box blinds, is wind ever an issue? It is. It, it definitely is. Um, yeah, if, if you if you stay five foot and down, you're probably going to be okay. Like I, I don't. I probably wouldn't even mess with tying down a five foot blind. 
But once you get over that five foot, um, you know, Oklahoma's the windy state. Uh, Texas gets super windy also. And the higher you go, the more chance you have of it blowing over. Um, and so, uh, yeah, absolutely anchoring them down. Uh, most people are either going to drive like a, you know, dirt anchor, like with the, it's like a giant screw almost that you put in the ground. Yep. Um, other, I've seen people put like a four inch wood post and concrete it into the ground and tie onto that. Um, but yeah, if you're, if you're going above five feet, you probably need to tie those suckers down. Um, and, uh, you know, they, some blinds are made out of thin sheet metal. Some blinds are made out of fiberglass. Some are made, uh, the blinds I bought are poly, like a plastic. Um, I would probably recommend the plastic ones. I think they're more durable. Um, a lot of blinds are actually fiberglass down here. And when those blow over a lot of times it does some damage because the, the fiberglass just can't withstand you know blowing over and landing on a rock yeah feel you all right uh and then uh do you have any experience i i've seen some of these uh these other blinds like a, a hay bale blind or mm-hmm. and when i think of a hay bale blind i really do think of like a whitetail a, a midwestern mm-hmm. farm ground type scenario yeah. but uh, any soft-sided blinds or hay bale blinds or anything like that uh, I have used a soft-sided blind. I've never used a hay bale blind. I've always wanted one. Um, I Just from what I've heard and seen, I think those would work fantastic. Um, and it, especially if you're trying to be more mobile. And, you know, in, in our area, like, where I hunt in Oklahoma is very, very similar to where you hunt in Iowa. The big difference is anywhere you have a corn or a bean field, make that a cattle pasture. Like we yeah. have very, we have very little farm ground, lots of, you know, cattle pasture. Um, but we have the, you know, rolling terrain. We have open mixed with hardwoods and stuff like that. And there's hay everywhere around us. And so, yeah, I think a hay bale blind would be super deadly. Um, I have a, a redneck soft sided blind. So it's like the, the big heavy metal frame um, with the essentially burlap, cover that goes over it yep um i absolutely love it it's uh you know it's, it's all kind of give and take it's not as easy to move as a true pop-up blind but it is way more durable and uh you have way more room i mean it's a true six by six you can bow hunt out of it you have room to draw and everything like that that's my problem with a lot of pop-up blinds um you know they make some big ones but if you just go to you know walmart or the local feed store or whatever most of those pop-up blinds are only going to be like 55 inches. Um, and a lot of them, you just, you don't have room to draw your bow. You know, if you stick your arrow out the window and then draw and, right. and again, you know, if you're at 20 yards of a mature buck, you don't have room to be doing all that movement and you don't want to be scraping up against the wall and everything. So if you're going to go the pop-up blind route, spend the little extra money and get one that is big enough to do what you want it to do. I, I recommend going at least six by six. Gotcha. Yeah, I've been in some pretty tight blinds before, uh, specifically on a ground hunt where me I was filming another guy bow hunting, and I mean when he would draw back, his elbow was hitting the back of the blind, and his yeah. his uh, broad head was almost sticking out of the window there, mm-hmm. and you know it just it felt really tight and cramped in there, especially for two people. But yeah. uh, you know, is what it is, and that's what we had at the time. But yeah, it sounds to me. A- Go ahead. Oh well, I, I got I got one more thing I want to touch on, but yeah. it's kind of on a different topic. So go ahead. No, uh, go ahead. You go go with the flow. So, 
right. So uh, this is this will work for a ground blind, but I also I bought uh, a company down here. There, there's actually several companies that make these. They're like a round poly blind, like a round plastic. They almost look like a water tank. I know a lot of people have taken water tanks and turned them into bow blinds. Yeah. Uh, the, the company I have, I, I believe you pronounce it Cryvoman. Um, I know there's several other companies that make them, um, but they are very affordable. Again, they're round, but they're six feet. Um, and I bought mine for like a thousand bucks, which is you know way cheaper than a lot of these other blinds. And then I just made my own homemade wooden platform to put it on and yep. just screwed it down. And whether you're buying a nice box blind or using a soft-sided blind or a pop-up blind, I'm t if you can get that thing off the ground, it is amazing how much more you can get away with. Even five feet. That's what I did. I made a five-foot little tower. And uh, this last year, I actually shot uh, my – I think he – how old was he? Five or six year old buck, 150 inch, 10 point. Uh, I shot him at 18 yards, and I had actually I was getting ready to leave. I had closed the windows, I had packed up, and this buck came out. And just being like five feet off the ground, I was able to get my bow ready again, open the window, and or actually sorry, shot him with a gun. I was kicking myself for not having my bow. I shot him at 18 yards with a rifle. Um, but uh, anyway, I was able to get ready again and open that window and stuff. And and I've seen that time and time again, just being like five feet off the ground where you're not eye level, where they can't just look through that window and look you in the face helps a ton. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I mean, that's good to know. Like, like this is all, this is all new to me. Like, I don't know anything mm -hmm. about box blinds or feeders just, you know, because where I hunt that and how I hunt is just not, you know, Iowa you know, like I don't really know how well a feeder would do like late season. I think it would crush, but if you put yeah. a feeder out, uh, in, I don't know, October, right. Mm -hmm. With all the acorns that are out here with all the, the ag crops that are out here, I'm sure deer would find it and come to it just because of ease of use. But mm -hmm. I don't know how well it would work. You know, who knows, mm -hmm. who knows how it would yeah, work. It and it's, it's fairly similar to that down here. Again, killing a mature buck on a feeder is very difficult. Um, and uh, just like you were saying, you know, uh, I remember just this last year, I had a buck that was coming in fairly consistently, you know, right at the edge of daylight, close enough that I was going to go in there and hunt him. And then about two days before I got to go hunt, we had a big windstorm come through and, you know, all the acorns dropped and he quit showing up um, because they, they really value that natural – food over a feeder honestly yeah. yeah for sure for sure uh, now anything else that we need to talk about when we're talking about um feeders or or blinds maybe that we missed i mean we, you've talked about stake making sure that you know there's they're staked to the ground and they're secure things like that anything else that we missed or any accessories that kind of go along with um that style of hunting you know, if you're if you're gonna buy if you're gonna spend the money to buy a feeder, one definitely fence it, and then or at least if you're in the south and you have hogs. But even if you're not, you know, cows, horses, goats, whatever, you know, make it to where only the deer can get to that thing. Squirrel proof, um, raccoon proof, yeah, that kind uh -huh. of stuff. Yeah. Yep. And then if you're gonna spend the money on the blind, you might as well spend a little bit more and make yourself comfortable, you know, buy a nice office chair to put in there. Don't be sitting on a five gallon bucket. Like I do most yeah. of the time, um, you know, buy a nice chair, 
buy one of those little they make like little sandbags that are made to go over the blind window so it has like little flaps that go down on each side so you have a solid gun rest yep um put a shelf in there you know be able to set you know your water bottle down your binoculars down um you know, if you're, if you're going to spend the money, you might as well go all out, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and, and though, you know, a box blind and a feeder is a great way to get new hunters or kids into it yeah. because they can be comfortable. Uh, you know, if, if you have kids, you know, they can color or do whatever, you know, kind of be distracted um, until, you know, and then when the deer start coming out, you know, they can put that down. It's a great way to view deer. They can get away with movement. You can, you can, you know, talk and whisper a little bit. Um, so yeah, just make it comfortable. Um, and then not, not quite so gear related, but a point I really want to drive home. The number one thing I see, and, and I, I was guilty of it when I was younger, do not overhunt a feeder. Like that is why most people don't kill big bucks on their feeders. It's not because the bucks will only come out at day or at night forever and ever. Uh, it's because usually, you know, a lot of times if you have a feeder, you have a camera on it. You're getting all these pictures. You're like, oh, man, there's all these deer here. Uh, you know, this giant buck showed up at 1 a.m. Maybe he'll come in the daylight, so I'm going to hunt it. And that's what you cannot do. You know, I have – I'm I'll be running four feeders this year, four deer. But I have, I don't know, a dozen stands on our place because I'm not always hunting a feeder. You know, I'm, right. I'm only hunting a feeder if I think I can go in there and kill that deer. Um, one of those feeders I'm talking about – uh, the last two years, there's been a buck right at Booner coming in there. You know, at times he comes every night, but he comes in the middle of the night. And I have not hunted that feeder uh, in almost two years. Um, been running it in case he changes his mind. Um, and I, I've, I've sat it a couple other times, and uh, I killed a, a different buck on it two years ago. Um, but if you really want to kill a mature buck on a feeder, you have to be willing to leave that thing alone until that buck feels comfortable there. Right. Yeah. And it sounds to me like uh, um, that is a whole nother topic, a whole nother discussion mm-hmm. on strategy on how to actually hunt deer using bait yes. and things like that. Absolutely. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, hey, I tell you what, man, this has been a great conversation. Um, we kind of kept we kind of left it high level, but I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on, John. And for those listening uh, just because John hosts the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast doesn't mean that some of the content that he's putting out isn't relevant to the rest of the country. So go ahead and uh, give that a listen and uh, you know make sure you guys are following him on Instagram. But other than that, man, good luck not only with the baby you know coming into hunting season, but good luck uh, uh, wherever you hunt this year, and, and thanks for hopping on today. Absolutely, Dan. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.